I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into this sermon. But I do want to let you know this. Um, of course, every sermon has the ability to, to really change your life and to, to shift your mindset and reposition us. Um, but as you know, if you heard last week, I, I pushed back a series that we were scheduled to do so that I could talk specifically about this and, and then in, in, into next week. This is sort of a mini series, we're, we're calling it. Uh, this is part one to part two. They, they really work together. And it's not really even me sitting down and writing a sermon like, oh, I want to talk on this topic. Uh, it really is just kind of a journal that I'm going to just share with you the next couple of weeks of things that God's showing me and revealing to me. And a lot of my sermons are really that way anyway. But, but I'm just saying this, that uh, it's a really unique and specific time that we're living in. And I believe this word, if we take it, God can use it to kind of shift us and, and put us on a path for really he wants where he wants to use us in this time. Can I get an amen? And, um, and so I really want you to take notes, pay attention, get into your word, remember these thoughts, um, and uh, I believe God will do big things. So let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and for your way. Lord, I thank you that this word is going to encourage us, motivate us, inspire us. Lord, even correct us and shape us. Uh, God, I pray that every word that goes forth, Lord, uh, falls on good ground and bears good fruit and that it brings you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you're watching online, I encourage you one more time to hit share if you haven't yet, and uh, some people will be able to join you as we kick off this sermon. But I entitled the next couple of weeks, uh, I gave it this title, I'm Tired of This Blank. And I left it blank because I'm going to let you put whatever you want in the blank. And some of you already know what you're tired of and what that blank would say. And uh, to be honest with you, it's a good gauge for your salvation level. Uh, if right away a specific word came up, I'm tired of this, then maybe our prayer room is open to you at the end of service and you can go get some work done. But uh, the reason I left it blank is because there's actually a lot of things we would put in the blank because we're tired, aren't we? I'm tired of this and there's a lot of things that we can put in there. It's probably not just one. There's probably a lot of things that like in your bones, in your soul, you're going like, I'm tired of this. And so that's what we're going to specifically talk about today. I believe this. Let me say this first before we read our text. I do believe, as I told you, <clears throat> that God is shaking the nations, uh, not just in America, not just in uh, our election season, not just among our candidates. I believe that God is in a place right now where I said it last week. He, the scripture says in the last days, he's shaking the nations. And how many have ever shook, maybe you've had sand in a bucket or in a strainer as you shake it, as something is being shook, what's true and what's solid and what's stable, it, it rises, right? It remains. And I believe that's what God is doing. He's trying to shake some things so that him and his truths come to the surface of everything. Are you with me? Anybody with me today? Facebook, are you with me? <laughs> Uh, it's, it's being shaken to a point that we're saying, okay, this is the truth and this is God and this is holy and this is what's righteous. And so I believe that's what God is doing. And so Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this, it says, come to me. This is of course, Jesus speaking it says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Cause he knew there'd be a day where some people would be weary and burdened. He said, I will give you rest. Now he's not talking about a good night's sleep. He says, come to me all who are weary. Come to me all who are burdened. Come to me all you people who are tired of blank. Come to me, Jesus is saying. Come to me all of you that are tired of this. And he says, I will give you rest. But he's, again, not talking about a good night's sleep. 
He's talking about the rest that we desire in our souls, where everywhere you turn and everywhere you look, you go, I just can't even deal with this anymore. I can't look at this. I can't be a part of this. I can't handle this. I'm tired. He says, you come to me and I will give you rest. He says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Key word here, take the yoke upon me and learn from me. Learn from me. He said, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying this, Jesus is saying, when you come to me, when you're tired and you're weary and you're burdened and you come to me to learn from me, he says, I'll give you rest because my yoke, it's easy and it's gentle. What he's saying is this, you're not going to have to fight with me about it. You're not going to have to try to convince me. How many of you are sick of the fighting and the convincing and the arguing? Jesus is saying, look, when you come to me and you submit to me and you learn my way, it's easy and my burden is light. For those of you that don't know what a yoke is, uh, this was an agricultural season or that they were in and culture that they were a part of. And so a yoke would be something that you would have put over an ox or somebody who would have been an animal that would have been working land. So it's literally sort of over the shoulder, over the neck. And the reason that they would do that is because two animals combined had the ability to do more than one animal on its own. So there's power in community is what we're seeing here. And so they would put the two together, and if studies have been done, they would say, oh, this Clydesdale on its own could pull something 8,000 pounds. And then the other one, they would take a second one, and that one on its own could pull 8,000 pounds. So together it should be, but every time they would yoke them together, their pulling abilities would go through the roof. Why? Because it's better when we do things together. So they would yoke these animals together in a way that there would be momentum and unity and and it would be easier. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, when you come and you put on my yoke, it's easy and it's light and my burden and you can do more with me. Can I get an amen? And so he's describing that it's important that you pay attention uh, to the yokes that you're putting yourself in. And he's saying you'll find rest and you'll find ease and you'll find the ability to move better if you're in a yoke with me instead of putting on a yoke of all the other things of the world. The yoke of politics and the yoke of all of the things we keep trying to put our faith, hope, and trust in. And Jesus is saying, come to me. You'll find rest, the kind of rest that's like for your bones if you learn from me. I would say as a pastor, I would say this, if I had to use one word to describe the condition of people, specifically in America, but I would even say in the world, if I had to label people with one word, I would say this, that people are tired. We're tired. We deal with people. I deal with people. I meet with people. I'm connected to people. I have all these things going on with people. And I can tell you something, people are at a place of being tired. I'm going to tell the truth today that we're religiously tired. We're tired of religion. We're tired of it not working. We're tired of church not being effective. We're tired of religious. We're just tired of it. Relationally, we're tired. You meet with people and you connect and and you go, oh my gosh, this year, just relationally, it's been so hard. I've lost so many friends. Maybe some of you are like, man, this year relationally, it's been so hard. I wish I would have lost more friends. (laughs) I can show you how to do that on social media, by the way. I'm good at it. But relationally, you're tired. You're like, relationally, you're tired. And part of what we're seeing is relationships were meant to fill you. Relationships were meant to hold up your arms and encourage you and inspire you and motivate you. And relationally, you've had way too many withdrawals and not enough deposits in your life. 
And so we feel depleted. We feel exhausted. You feel tired in your bones. And Jesus is saying, if you come to me and you learn from me and you yoke up with me, that's where you'll find the rest you need in these areas. The problem with relationships is these relationships that we're in, again, we're meant to be there and partner with each other emotionally and connect and hold each other up and help each other get us through these times. But instead, relationships have become like emotional parasites. These relationships are just eating us up and tearing us apart. And they're talking about us and lying about us and backbiting us and manipulating situations. They're just eating away at the fiber of what's supposed to actually be our strength. Can I get an amen today? And so it's, it's hard. We're tired because relationally it's not working. And Jesus is saying, hey, come put on this yoke and learn from me and you'll find rest. And it'll be, it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be easier than carrying all the other burdens of the things of this world. We're tired because we don't trust those in charge. We used to be able to say, oh, it's going to be okay. We're going to make it. <laughs> There's logic in this world. <laughs> Common sense is a thing, right? <laughs> and, and so we've, we've grown tired in what's, what's happening What's true? What's not true? What's, what's real? What's not real? And it's because we continue to put on the yoke of, oh, leadership will do it for me. The government will do it for me. That president will do it for me. Are you with me? Instead of Jesus saying, come to me and learn from me. Put this yoke on that is me. Can I get an amen? Our hope for the future has grown tired. We wonder, what's it going to be like for my kids? What's it going to look like? What's it going to be like? I, I don't understand what kind of future they're going to have. And so we're tired. And Jesus, again, is saying, I knew there would come a day where you would be so weary and burdened. And my solution to that is come to me and learn from me. We see in scripture in Genesis that Adam and Eve messed it up, right? God sets them in the perfect garden and it's easy. And they're walking, they're in yoke with God, and then they sin. And the scripture says from the moment that they made a sinful decision or they decided to put on another yoke that wasn't of God, the scripture then says, God says, hey, guess what? You're going to work by the sweat of your brow and you're going to have to toil for all of the things that you do in life because of your disobedience. Do you know that picture is the same for us in our life? Whenever we step away from the yoke of God, whenever we step away from the way that he's called us to be, there becomes effort and striving and strain. Can I get an amen? And that's why we're tired because we see the same thing. We've said, oh, I'm going to put on this yoke and I'm going to do it this way. And we put on the yoke of all the things of the world instead of the yoke of Christ who says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Can I get an amen? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 uh, gives us also this sort of unrest reason. And it says this, it says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people can't see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. We love the song, right? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Right? We don't need Daniel. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I know what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, but we love that even when I don't see it, but like in your soul though, it makes for a great worship song. But when you're in your car by yourself and you can't see that it's working, it gets tiring. Anyone want to tell the truth today? You go, oh, in my soul, I'm tired because I can't see it working. And so then we run over and we try to say, well, maybe it's this yoke. If we can vote the right president, oh, good, we've got a new president. That Now we're going to be able to, and we put that yoke on, and we try, we try all these different things. And the scripture is saying, your heart is set on eternity. 
You're never going to be satisfied with the things of this world. There's a beautiful season for everything, and it works good, and God does bless America, and God, there's all of these ways that God does work on our behalf, and we, we pray that in, and we fight for that, and we believe for all of God's blessing in our life, but everything has a beautiful season, but your heart is actually set on things above. So if you think that, that, that there's never going to be uh, toil and fight and frustration, if you th- it's not true because your heart is set on the things of above, but then Jesus gives you this invitation <laughs> It says, even when you're unsettled and you can't see it, what does he say? Come to me and I'm going to give you rest and the burden's going to be easy, but you got to take my yoke upon you. Can I get an amen today? Jesus had words for what it would be like when we're tired. And I believe that there's a shift that's happening in the church. We know 2 Corinthians chapter 6 tells us not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And we always preach that, like, make sure you have the right friends. Make sure you have the right people in your life. Do not be unequally yoked with anything. With any idea, don't put your faith, hope, and trust in anything other than Jesus and his yoke. So it's saying, watch the thing that you're putting on. And Jesus is saying, come to me. Yeah. Amen. Uh, I thought about this. Um, for me, uh, I want to kind of explain it to you. Jesus said this. Um, Jesus said, come to me and learn from me. Learn from me. Jesus said, I want you to come to me. I'll give you rest and learn from me. Now, here's what we get wrong in the church. Here's what we mess up, Facebook, is we mess up that we love to learn about God. We're doing a terrible job learning from God. He said, come to me and learn from me. He didn't say, come learn about me. We spend our whole religious lives learning about him and never learning from him. Here's an example. The learning from him means this. (laughs) A bunch of you in this room, and I don't want to have to point you out because I could, but it, it's like this. Do you know that like your family kind of all sounds the same? Like your immediate family. Do you know that you all kind of have like the same sayings in your family? Because intimacy, you've learned from them. And so you all kind of say the same thing. Some of you laugh the same way, right? Am I making any sense today? You're a quiet bunch today. Uh, you're really quiet. You know, you like, oh, this family, oh my gosh, they're the best. They all laugh the same. When they get laughing, they all laugh the same. That was never taught to them, was it? They learned it from them. They learned it from another. Why? Because proximity, closeness, they took the yoke upon each other. Facial expressions, do you know somebody like, oh my gosh, she makes the same face as her mom. She makes the same face as her. That was never taught to her. Nobody ever sat down and said, all right, now here's how we roll our eyes. (laughs) Right? But how many know some people roll their eyes the same way for generations? They're just doing it the same way. Oh, that's the old family eye roll right there. It was never taught to them, but it's, they learned from them because it was intimacy. It was close. This is what Jesus is talking about when he's saying like, hey, learn from me. Put this yoke upon you and learn from me. Uh, my son uh, has been showing me how this happens. My son is five years old, almost six years old in April. And uh, I don't have a temper, definitely not like I used to, but, but I would say this, I have a very low tolerance for things that are annoying. <laughs> is that a pretty political way to say that? <laughs> Uh, and so for me, uh, I, 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 there's three things my son's not allowed to say. Uh, these are like his things. And I laugh at this. It's like out-of-body experience because I so know him. He's learned from me. I haven't taught him, but he's learned from me. And so these three things he's not allowed to say. He can't say stupid, dummy, or idiot. And he says it regularly. <laughs> now, I've never sat down and told him how to say stupid, dummy, or idiot. But I can tell you this. He uses it perfectly. <laughs> 
And when he's using those vocabularies, I'm like halfway proud on the inside because he's using it appropriately. Like, yeah, I'm feeling that same pain, Charlie, when you're... And so my grandpa was this way. My grandpa, uh, who's passed away, he would come over and or we'd meet him, uh, Burger King, <coughs> we'd go out to eat, we'd meet him. My grandma, Kate, uh, she would love these Whopper Juniors. You got these funny memories of your kids. So we'd go, or your grandparents, you'd go up to Burger King in Hudsonville and Grandpa Cape and Grandma Cape would get this Whopper Junior. And it's funny what you learn from. And so my grandpa, and, and I do it the same way, I catch myself doing it the same way he would talk to me about sports. And, uh, and he wasn't cussing or anything crazy, but he just loved to use the word dummy. He's like, he, and it's just funny for a grandpa to say this. And so he'd be talking about Michigan, and, and I found myself doing it yesterday. And he said, oh, my gosh, can you believe What a dummy. Those dummies running the ball. We should have been passing the ball. Those dummies. My son comes up the stairs. Dad, Dad, Caroline and Callie are blah, blah, blah. Those dummies. <laughs> and I can't approve of it, but in the inside, I feel it. I know it is stupid idiots, or he'll get up and they want to play outside and it's cold and rain. Oh, dad, we can't go outside the rain, stupid dummy rain. I'm like, I feel that, bro, but we can't say that. He's learned it from his mom. <laughs> He's learned it. It was never taught. It was definitely me. But this is what Jesus is trying to describe to you. I didn't have to train him to do it. I didn't have to tell him when it was the right time to react like that. I know this is a terrible example for a pastor. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have to train him when it's right or how to react or when it's proper, but because he learned it from me, he knew. And I'm telling you, when it's time for you to pray, if you come and you learn from him, you're going to know when the right time to pray for somebody, when the right time to lay hands on the sick for somebody, when the right time to encourage somebody. Are you with me? It's because you've learned it from him. You didn't learn about him. You learned it from him. What should I do? What should I do? You don't, you, you just know that you know because you've learned it from him. Amen. So what I love about this was Jesus actually said this to Christians. He didn't say this to non-believers. He says, listen, Christians, religious people who've been doing this for a long time, he tells them, you are going to get tired and you're going to need to come to me. Okay, and so he's telling the Christian people, there's going to become a time where all that you know about me and all that you've been doing isn't going to work anymore. And so he's saying, what you need to do, instead of learning about me, you need to learn from me. So he's telling it to the Christian people. That's what we talked about last week when we said this. The church needs to make a shift. I believe that this is what God is doing, and this is what churches that remain, this is what it's going to look like for them. It's going to be the church that begins demonstrating their values, not just describing them. We need to be a church who stops articulating the power of God and starts activating it. There's a shift that's happening. We're going from knowing about things to knowing him and walking like him. We, we say, oh, here's our church and here's what we believe. And a hundred years ago, this man came and he penned this and now we do this. And we keep describing what our church is instead of demonstrating it. We keep talking about someday God's going to come and he's going to do this. And we're describing what God's going to do instead of letting God activate it in us so that we can go do it. God is making a shift from knowing about to knowing and learning from him so that we can react properly. The shaking of the nations, I believe, is a good thing. Jesus is like, yes, I know you've been a Christian your whole life. How's it working for you? Then he's saying to them, now come to me. Now come to me. Learn from me. I would say it to you like this. Come to me. Learn from me. Here we are. Uh, we come to church and we learn about him. 
We know the pastor. We know the pastor. We know some worship songs. We know about a whole bunch of stuff. Church knows a whole bunch of stuff. You have the ability, you're listening to, the church has never been in a position of having as much information about God and doing as little with it as they are. But we have more about God than we ever have. You got all the worship songs and you can listen to all the sermons and you can podcast and you can YouTube and you can read all the devotionals and you can go to all the classes and you have all the books and you walk around and you talk to each other. Oh, have you done that study? Oh yeah, I've done that study. That's a great one. What about this? Oh yeah, I did that one too. We know all of these things about God, but do we know God? Do we know Jesus? Do we, have we learned from him? And so I believe Jesus is saying there's a season of restlessness that needs to come to an end in the church, and it's going to come to an end if we come to Jesus, take on his yoke, and learn from him. It doesn't mean we're going to shut down church. It doesn't mean we're going to stop singing songs. All of this stuff is important, but it's not first. First is coming to him and learning from him. That's why we're saved, but we're tired. That's why we're saved, but we're not reaching anybody. That's why we're saved, but we're, we're neglecting the power of God in our lives. Why? Because all we want to do is know about him instead of know him. My concern is 30% of people, they say statistically, won't come back to church when church comes back. So I'm talking about when pandemic is over and we all got our chips and we can come back to church. Uh, no, it's good. I'm, I'm excited for a chip. I said, look, I'll make some deals with the chip. If it helps administrate my, uh, administer my vitamins for me, I'll take a chip. If it, if it helps me brush my teeth, I don't have to brush my teeth, then I'll take the chip. Amen? Anybody in the house? No? Okay. All right. That's fine. Well, I'll leave it alone. I'll leave it alone. So someday when churches, you're allowed to come back and we don't have any worries or concerns or safety issues or whatever that looks like, and they say statistically 30% of people won't come back. They'll resume church online. Why? Because they got so comfortable with just consuming about God instead of experiencing the presence of God. Coming in with an expectation of, Lord, change me. Uh, I want to experience you. I want to interact with others. God, I want this to be a place. Are you with me today? So instead, we just kind of listen and we hear a few things and then we move on. And, and again, I'm not here against the online experience. We're so grateful for it. And the people that we can reach has been amazing. But again, I believe it's a supplement, not a substitute for the house of God. Because there's, there's a happening that happens here. And I believe it's a drawing near to God so he can teach us. Uh, learn from me. Learn from me. Ephesians chapter 4 uh, says this. It says, it's my job as the pastor to build up the saints for the work of the ministry. It's not my job to just tell you all about God and then we're good. It's my job to build you up so that what? So that you can go out in your community and do the work of the ministry. Well, how do you know how to do the work of the ministry? It's because you've learned from God. You've learned from Jesus. You go out every single day and you said, just like Jesus, uh, I only do what the Father has revealed to me. Therefore, I'm going to make these decisions. Why? Because I've learned from him. I've learned from him on a daily basis. There's an intimacy here that I've learned from him. Amen. I'm going to tell in the church a little bit here, and then uh, we'll wrap up in just a minute. But here's what I would say this. Here's where the church has done a terrible job, and this is what needs to be fixed in our culture. The church has formed movements that are inspirational, not transformational. The church has created movements that are only inspirational and they're not transformational. <clears throat> Pastors say this kind of stuff to each other. We say things like, oh, our people like it when this. And we've built houses of inspiration. We're only going to do what inspires people. Oh, does it inspire them? Does it inspire them? 
Does it tickle their ear? Does it make them happy? Does it make them feel better? Because here's what's happening in America. We're tired because we're yoked up in the wrong things. And so all we ever want to do is come to church and just get inspired. It's become our idolatry. We worship the next inspiration. Oh, did you see who's writing a book? Oh, did you get their devotional yet? Did you hear that sermon? You got to hear this sermon. Inspire, inspire, inspire. All we want is inspiration. So it's become this idol that we worship. Where am I going to get my next inspiration? And it's bled into the pulpits of America. And so now we make decisions as pastors that literally say, oh, uh, our people like it when this, and so we need to do it this way instead of being a people who actually do it in full truth. Let me keep going in this. We say things like this as pastors. We say, oh, our, only, our people will only come if this. So we got to make sure whatever we're doing in church, we do it this way or they're not going to come because we got to make sure we're forget truth and what God's telling us to do. We got to make sure it's like this. So we've built all of these entertaining, inspirational things because we want to make sure we're giving the people what they want the way they want it. Otherwise, they're not going to show up. So we've built non-transformational churches, only inspirational churches. And inspiration is good, but we also need the truth. Can I get an amen? Pastors talking like this to each other. We have to be careful with how much we say or dot, dot, dot. We better be careful with how much we say because are we not called to tell the truth, pastors? Isn't our sole responsibility right up here to rightly divide the word and tell you what's the truth? But be careful what we say because people might da, 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 da. <laughs> Are you with me? Look, here's the deal. Pandemic, uh, what all this whole deal has, has taught me this. I don't care anymore. <laughs> so just, just, just realize that I don't actually care anymore. I used to be a bakery manager before I was a pastor. And I say it like this. Uh, if I get up here and tell the truth and people don't like it and I got to go back to baking donuts, that might be okay. <laughs> I'll put some sprinkles on your donuts. You can see me wearing an apron and I'll be, you know, it, it's up to you. I guess my mother-in-law is the only one who liked that, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm just here to say this. The church has done such a horrible job bubble wrapping the truth that it's made us ineffective. So, you want to know what my tired is? I'm tired of that in the pulpit. <laughs> that's my tired. Mm means blank. Just wash your mouth out, people. <laughs> That's what I'm tired of in the pulpit is all these excuses. People say this to us, pastors. This is the way we talk. Not really, but kind of. You're in conferences and you're getting lessons about how to talk and people writing books about, oh, you got to go deep and wide. Be careful. You got to be careful. Be careful. And, and, and we're saying things like, make sure you pace yourself on subjects. Be careful. Subjects meaning like things God wants you to talk about. Make sure you pace yourself on the subjects. You don't want to be too heavy. You don't want to be too truthful. Make sure you pace yourself on subjects. Here's why I'm at, here's where I'm at on all this. I'll say it like this. I'd rather stand before God and be accountable for saying too much than stand before the Lord and have a conversation about not speaking up enough. I'd much rather be convicted and guilty in heaven of saying way too much of the truth than being somebody who didn't say what he was supposed to say in the moment he was supposed to say it. Can I get amen? And the church is, pace yourself, pace yourself. <laughs> it's like, I should really have you in some of my pastor conferences. I'm like, I'm like Steve Corral. People are talking and I'm like, ha, da, da, da. what are you saying? And just the good thing about the second floor, my office is like, I think right there. And uh, we can't open our windows because this was a hospital. Otherwise, I would have jumped out my window a long time ago, listened to some of these pastors talk about, we've got to pace ourselves and how we tell the truth. 
I forgot we were live. <clears throat> we're in second service. We are choosing pace as pastors. We're choosing pacing ourselves over the power of God, and the results are pathetic. We're choosing pacing ourselves and being careful. Oh, well, it's important that we become all things to all men, that we might reach a few. Well, you're only reaching a few. Because your strategy is stupid, dummy idiot. <laughs> We're choosing pace over power, and the results are pathetic. Now, hold on. You guys like that I'm making fun of pastors, but let me talk about you. In your life, you are choosing unhealthy pace, and your results are also pathetic. God's saying, come to me. Let, learn from me. Let me give you rest. And you're saying, hold on, God, I got to pace that because, you know, we got soccer and football and we got, I'm going to work some overtime so that we can get a new car and we want to, you know, do this thing in the kitchen and, do and we got all this unhealthy pace. Are you with me? And our results are pathetic. When God is saying, look, if you seek first the kingdom, everything that you want will be added unto you. But he's saying, if you seek me first, if you come to me and learn from me, all that gets added unto you, but seek me, come to me, I'll give you rest for your weariness. Inspiration, I believe, has become an idol. And the reason I can prove that to you is because, because people wanted inspiration at such a high level in church. Oh, tell me what makes me feel good. I'm so tired. I'm so yoked up in the wrong things. I just need you to tell me something. We started doing stupid things in church, like saying things like, oh, uh, God's gonna, if you do this, then God's gonna do this. And we start making all these promises of things that aren't even in the Bible because we're just trying to inspire people. So it's tickle of the ear and we're trying to say this and get people to, and so we say, oh, God's gonna touch your neighbor and tell them if you're gonna, and we keep giving all these false promises of inspiration that don't even line up with the Bible. Can I get an amen? doesn't even line up with things that God has ever even said. And we start selling inspiration, inspiration. Here's the problem with that. I know a lot of this is church talk, but here's the problem with that. You can only lie to somebody for so long before they realize it's not going to happen. So we, we just keep lying and we keep lying and we keep lying. And eventually people are going to stop believing the lie and they're going to leave you. That's exactly what we saw in the Church of America. That's what we're seeing. We keep telling people, oh, God's going to do this, and God's going to promise you this, and if you do this, and we're tickling, we're and we're inspirational, we're just trying to tell them what they want to hear, and it doesn't come to pass for them. They're still tired, and they leave the church in mass exoduses. Instead of getting up and saying, hey, we got to be a people who come to him and learn from him. This is what we need to actually be talking about. Touch your neighbor and tell them, go crucify yourself. <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> Touch your neighbor and tell them, oh, make sure you go take up your cross this week. Because people are going to lie about you and falsely accuse you and suppress you and tell you you're a bigot. Are you with me today? Let's tell the truth, though. Touch your neighbor and tell him you must decrease so he can increase. Let's tell the truth about instead of, instead of inspiration, inspiration. And inspiration's good. I believe in that. But I'm just telling you, not, at, not on the altar of telling the truth. Uh, here's what I believe. Here's my hope. I actually hope this pandemic, <laughs> I hope this pandemic takes away everything for us. To the point that the only thing left is putting on the yoke of Jesus. Yeah. 
and it might already be, right, happening, but stripping away everything. Oh, your president didn't make it? Oh, there's a better yoke over here anyway. Oh, this president you think is going to be the savior? Oh, there's a better yoke over here anyway. I hope, I, I hope we don't have a president ever. No, I'm just kidding, but I just hope they count for the rest of our life. Why? Because then all we can do is look to Jesus. In, in Nevada, still counting. How is it that the state that has Las Vegas is having a hard time sitting at a table counting things? <laughs> but, but I hope we have nothing left, only Jesus. I hope that he shakes this nation to a point that you are, have nothing but to come to him and put on the yoke and learn from him. Can I get an amen? And so it's important for us to, to learn from him. And the way I'll close with this. My concern, if I could give you a concern, is this. Uh, the more I pastor, the more I walk with God and lead people, my concern is this. This is the kind of yoke and relationship that we've gotten into with Christ. Is it's an about instead of a knowing him. We know about him. And the reason I can say that is this, because many times you talk to people and you say, hey, what's the Lord saying to you? What's Christ been revealing to you? What's he been ministering to you? What's God saying to you? We would say, well, at my church, pastors preach in this series. You know, tell them about the series. Oh, uh, this song, I've been downloading this new song and it's so good. I just have it on repeat and it's just speaking to me. Oh, I got this new devotion and this book has been saying this thing and saying this thing. And I heard on the radio and we'll say that. And that's all good. And that's all the appropriate part of being a Christian. But I wish our answer would be a little bit more like this. Hey, what's God saying to you? Oh, man, the other day when I was learning from him, he was speaking to me this. He gave me this vision. Are you with me? If we could learn from him and get our rest from him, not the pulpits because pulpits fail, not, are you with me, from all of the other things we put our faith, hope, and trust in, but we put him in learning from Jesus, and then he promises us rest. He promises us that, that he's going to bear the load with us. He's going to be in yoke with you. We're going to be able to do this thing. And you're going to do it without being crushed. Amen. I would say it to you like this. And my last thought here is this. And we'll kind of, we'll kind of segue this into next week as well. But whatever area that you are tired in, say, oh, this area right here, I'm so tired. So tired in this area. I'm proposing to you, that that is an area that you need to bring to Jesus and let him teach you. Oh, this area, I'm so tired. It needs more Jesus. It, you need to learn from him some more in this area. And probably for us, it means this area, this area, this area, this area, all the areas. Maybe he'll give us a pretty good deal on like a bundle. <laughs> if we get like a package spot from him on this one. Oh, I'm tired. I don't see a way. I know your heart is set on eternity and, and beautiful things have seasons. Oh, my heart, but God says, I can give you rest. I can, I can put on a yoke with you and we can do this thing. So we need to submit it to him, come to him and learn from him. We don't want to learn about him. We want to learn from him. Amen. God is shifting things. We're going from just being a uh, a spectating Church of America to a participating in what God is doing in the power and the transformation and the submission that God wants us to walk in. Amen.